Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Uh, your host, Dustin Lunt here. With me, as always, my co-host, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing, Jake? It's just wonderful. Just absolutely damn wonderful. How are you? Oh, terrific. Uh, I know most of the country probably had off for MLK Day yesterday, so it's always a little difficult getting back into it after having that extra day off of work. Uh, so it was, a, it was a little bit of a rougher day, but... You know what? The day always brightens up when you get to talk about fantasy football. And to help us do that this evening, we've got a great host, great host, great guest with us. Probably end up hosting the show. Let's be honest. <laughs> we've got Matt Donnelly with us. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I love the intro, how calm Dusty is when he does the intro to the show. Meanwhile, like on our show, I'm like, and woo! <laughs> it's like energy, energy going. I'm like, yeah, I got to I got to bring it down a notch here. But no, it's great. Uh this is an interesting time for me. Usually we record a little bit later. Uh, I'm out west, so it's about 5.30. I was just telling the guys there in the back room there in the boom boom room before the show started that I just threw together a quick shepherd's pie so that I can get the kids fed and watered before jumping on the stream here. So right now the wife is upstairs with about nine kids, kind of trying to keep them under control. So if you hear a little bit of banging and clanging going on in the background, I apologize in advance. I appreciate it. I appreciate the warning, obviously. Now, I will say on my end, if you hear that same banging and clanging in the background, it is not because of children. Uh, it, it is probably something much more nefarious. So please do block it out <laughs> and don't pay any attention. All right. Well, we have got a great episode this evening. We're just going to be doing uh, some talking about things to remember for draft season, whether it's going to be later in the summer when you do your redraft or if you're starting up some dynasty uh startups right now uh we can uh get some of that that will overlap the two so things just to remember for draft season whenever that may start for you uh but matt why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself here before we uh get into it yeah absolutely if anyone actually wants to know i think this might be this this kind of part of the show where we regroup while i'm talking kind of make sure the show sheets are ready to roll uh yeah you can catch me over at dynastyvipers.com we got some big things going on over there uh we're rebuilding the website hopefully it'll be up by super bowl just a little bit after kind of giving a few little touches here we got some plans especially on the youtube channel so make sure you head over there like and subscribe i'll talk about it probably on my closing statement a little bit later we've got a big guest tonight if you don't know it's already you know, what the heck? It's uh, Graham Barfield. He's coming on. He's going to talk about some yards created. So if you're one of those analytics guys or a draft guy, this is kind of the show for you here, especially when you want to evaluate running backs. He's been gracious enough to uh, give us some time of his. So we're looking forward to that. Of course, that's my uh, partner in crime there, Jeff Mueller and Calvin and Hobby there. So you want to make sure to check out those guys. Uh, yeah. And at Dynasty Vipers. And, and brand new, I'm maturing. I'm growing up. I dropped the Dingus 4 from the Twitter handle. <laughs> 
This is, <laughs> no. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, you can call it maturing if you want, but yeah. I just feel like you're conceding. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not used to coming across the Twitter there, and I and I don't see that delightful dingus force staring back at me, <laughs> and it just gives me it gives me concern is all. But I will adapt. I know that I will. Well, it didn't really hit me. It didn't really hit me until I seen you guys uh, promote the show today. It was like at Matt Donnelly F I was like, <laughs> who the hell is this guy? Like, oh, it's me. <laughs> oh man, like. But when my when my kids are coming home, because they watch the YouTube video, so I've actually been cleaning up my language, too, in the show, uh, which is pretty impressive for me by my own standards. <laughs> but they watch the YouTube. The, they're 12 and 11. They go to school. They watch it at school. So I'm like, okay, i got to clean it up. But now their friends are calling me dingus. And you got a bunch of 11-year-olds <laughs> calling, hey, your dad's dingus. And it's like, okay, you know what? Let, let, let's, try and, let's try and be a little bit more professional here. So we're, we're trying to go with that pro uh, professional thing with this whole uh, relaunching of the Vipers this year. So we'll see how it works. Uh, I'm pretty confident Dingus will be available in one way, shape, or form if I decide to go back that route after. Maybe Coach Dingus or Dingus FF. I'm sure there's some sort of variation out there available. It's like an alter ego that you can keep in your back pocket just in case. You know, we're talking about now, talking to Matt now, but at any point, Dingus can creep out if, they, you know, if you need to put the smack down in some way. I feel like that's good to keep. Absolutely. You know, there's there's a little dingus in all of us. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> He's just waiting to come out. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. And I feel like now that the uh, friends know about this handle of dingus that you're never going to hear the end of it. So actually, dingus was kind of a nickname. I was, you don't get to choose your nicknames. Like George Costanza, I wanted to be called T-Bone. That was kind of where I was going. You know what? <laughs> T-Bone sounded good. But my buddy, so... I'm up in Canada. The CFL is pretty big. Uh, my buddy was in a charity golf tournament with his girlfriend, and one of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders players, Matt Dominguez, was hitting on his wife, or soon-to-be wife at the time. So when he came back, it started off as like Matt Dingling, Matt Dominguez, Matt Dingus. And I kind of just kind of did that whole evolution there, and then Dingus just stuck. And then everyone at work started calling me Dingus. I was, I've been a dingus at work. I've been a dingus everywhere else. So I figured, you know what? Let's be a dingus on Twitter and see how it goes. So, but now we're going back. We're going back to Maddie, Matt Donnelly. So <laughs> I, I love a good nickname story. Mm -hmm. There's very few things that make me happier. Um, and I know a lot of unsuccessful uh, attempts to self nickname. And so I can, yeah. I can fully get on board with that. I appreciate it. I think we all go through phases where you would love to have a nickname that sticks. That's a little cooler than what you end up with. So I, I get it. Well, and like I said, you don't get to choose that nickname and you know what? We've all been called worse. I, I guarantee you I've been called worse than dingus. So oh, same you here, <laughs> same here. All right. Before we get into the heart of our episode here, a couple house cleaning things here to get through. First things first, what are we drinking? Jake? I'm going with uh, with an interesting one. This was actually just left in my fridge. Um, I, I did not purchase this, but it sounds good. It's called Kiwana Brewing Company that is out of... Uh, some place in Michigan. I don't know. I can't see, but it's a Michigan beer. But it's called Borealis Brew, B R O O, with that line thing above it, uh, which I don't know what that is. Um, but it's an amber ale with coffee. So pretty interesting. I don't know. Not sure how I feel about it. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear your final uh, evaluation of this later on in the episode. I'll give an assessment. Don't worry. All right, Matt. What about you? Well, I, I don't have any leftover party beer. That's what it sounds like Jake's got. It sounds like he had a bunch of people over, 
And that's the leftover beer, the stuff that no one else wanted to drink. That's in his fridge. He's like, you know what? Bottoms up. Let's crack this baby. Let's go. Uh, I do have coffee. I don't drink, so I kind of don't really fit the show sheet here, so to speak. Uh, I haven't had a drink in like, I don't know, 16, 17 years, whatever that number is right now. But I've gone with the McDonald's dark roast for tonight. I got my little bit of coffee and my nice little Raiders cup. So that's what I'll be sitting here drinking. Uh, I'll probably be drinking this till 10 o'clock at night because I'm, yeah, I know what. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you do it. He <laughs> knows how I feel about it. Uh, there's there's about two people I found that are just like me that'll drink coffee till 10 o'clock at night. And this kind of goes back to before I got that nice, cushy office job. I was on the shift workings thing. And you know how that goes. You work from 4 p.m. till 4 a.m. or whatever it is. You're used to drinking coffee right till midnight mm-hmm. and then trying to go to sleep after, which never works. So you can get out of that role, but you still have the, we're humans and we're creatures of habit. And I still have that habit where I'll drink coffee till 10 o'clock at night and then. Hope for the best. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you do any coffee or you do any creamer, sugar? You just go straight up with that guy. Yeah, look at this mustache. Does this look like a creamer kind of mustache? <laughs> I didn't want to assume. Look, I, I could have probably surmised this, but I didn't want to assume. Yeah, no, I I have a hard time when I go to like Starbucks and these fancy cafes. I'm like, can I just have a coffee? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Like, they throw these fancy words at me. I'm, I'm a large black coffee kind of guy. Yeah, that, that's it. I want a coffee flavored coffee. <laughs> yeah, coffee flavored coffee. I don't want no like what was it? Al, uh, Dennis Leary's. I don't want no Al Pacino, Al Pacino, Crappuccino, <laughs> any of that kind of chinos. Just give me mm-hmm. a coffee, dang it. Yeah. So. I'm really lost there. And they know it as soon as I walk in. I, first off, when I walk into a cafe, I do not look like I belong there. It's just, <laughs> yeah, this guy's definitely not coming in for a latte. So, Do we need to be concerned? Do we need to put the money in the back when this guy comes through? No. Dustin, I know that you have a little bit of overlap here. That's why I know that that, that mm-hmm. was a very refreshing response. Because mm-hmm. I imagine there are more than just those similarities between the two of you. But uh, Dustin, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking, uh, this beer is called Flow. It's from the Brewing Project out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, this is just a pale ale with citra hops in it. So uh, very... It's actually got a little stone fruit and a, a little citrus to it, uh, which is actually very nice. So it's a very nice, refreshing beer. Uh, I'm I'm crushing it. It is really tasty. Refreshing on a cold winter's eve. That's right. A little bit That's of balance right. in your life there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of balance, you want to get into our... Drunk, 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 so this trade was from a 14-team PPR redraft league. So I went ahead and brought in the redraft focus per the theme of the episode. You're welcome, Dustin. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this user says, I offered essentially my entire bench in trades a couple of weeks ago, in quotes, which would have been week 11. So try and put yourself into those weeks' shoes says, woke up to Zach Ertz plus Jarek McKinnon plus Josh Reynolds plus Ronald Jones for Josh Jacobs. So they were the recipient of Josh Jacobs. Just with that one line, 
Now, there is uh, obviously when it's such a lopsided trade, kind of the extra perk is all of those bench spaces that open up and then you can go to the waivers and then you can try and pick up some gold. And we can talk about that after this first trade bit. But just looking at that, I mean, how how great do you perceive this trade to be for the Jacobs uh, person? Well, personally, I mean, in a 14 team, you, you really like to have those studs just because there is a lot less uh, depth out there on your waiver wire. Uh, so it's good to really shore up those positions where they are just set it and forget it type player. Uh, and especially week 11, I don't hate it, but uh, especially because, well, Reynolds didn't really do much. Ertz didn't do much this season. McKinnon was, he was okay. Rojo came on at the end of the season. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't really know that I love it either. So I wish I suppose that's a sign of a good trade. Um, Not the reaction I expected to have out of you for this one. So I'm curious, Matt, does your reaction differ at all? So I'm a little bit different uh, in the fact that I like to have in a 14 team league, I like to have those depth pieces there to move around and, Obviously, this is a perfect opportunity to make a trade for it. Week 11, Josh Jacobs was just coming off that big week 10. So it looks a little bit worse. I think he had two touchdowns, 112 yards uh, against the Broncos. So he, week 11, he was going into the Chiefs. Again, a little bit of a downer against the Chiefs. 17 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown there. And then things – on paper, you want to get that Josh Jacobs. It looks fantastic. But in hindsight – the next two games were the Falcons game, which was horrible. The Jets game, which was horrible. The Colts game, which is no better. So if we're looking at this right now, trying to put ourselves back in week, week 11, it probably looked good. And I'm a huge Josh Jacobs guy. But on the flip side, there was only one more serviceable week, and that was week 15 that you were going to get out of Josh Jacobs. And the matchups seemed like they were good. Like, okay, sorry, week 13, the Jets, he didn't – I don't think he even played, to be honest with you. So – He's been bad. We knew going into that he's been battling injury up to that point to the trade. Uh, Ertz, if you're in a redraft at that point, you're probably trying to make a move for you. You're trying to make some kind of move, and Ertz was doing nothing for you. So he's just if in redraft, he's just a throw in. Let's get out. Obviously, you have a better tight end available. Mm -hmm. You've been using someone else because Ertz ain't doing, been doing it for you. Uh, Josh Reynolds, yeah, he's been serviceable, but he's absolutely useless too because let's be honest. He has a week here and there, and he's only really effective if Cooper Cup's out or if Robert Woods is out. So you can only really play him in one of those two situations. Uh, McKinnon, obviously, he had dead leg at this time in the season. He was already battling that. So he was just – it's a lot of pieces thrown in. And a Ronald Jones, the jury was still out. So really, for me, this is a Ronald Jones for Josh Jacobs trade. Now, the part that I like most, you get a couple defenses, so you can play that uh, defense game based on matchups every week which is one of those underrated things if you're still playing with DST, if you're still playing like a 1999-type league. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm heavy into IDP with all kinds of fancy things, so I got that. But the one move I did like here, use that bench spot to pick up a Philip Lindsay mm -hmm. because there was talk that Melvin Gordon could find himself in court. And if Melvin Gordon, if you're in that redraft and you're making that move, if Melvin Gordon finds himself in court or suspended because of the DUI he had early in the season, Philip Lindsay could have been a league winner. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm looking at this. This is clearly a Josh Jacobs for Ronald Jones. And I think you take Josh Jacobs 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I think that's a little bit what was so fascinating about this trade for me was when you look at it, name value on paper at that time, I think my gut reaction would have been a lot stronger. Just Josh Jacobs. 
You know, you can't pass up what could be a stud running back. Of course, it did not work out that way from week. Let's just look at week 11 through week 16 for a lark if they got into the playoffs, which I don't know here. But Josh Jacobs was RB 29 in PPR formats. That's I mean, that's not great. But in comparison to what was looking at you from the other side, it looks downright Superb. Ronald Jones was RB52. He only played in three games through that stretch, granted. Um, but yeah, I do want to highlight what those those bench spots were, because I think this is a nice prelude to the meat of the episode here and something that is valuable when you're looking at trades, whether it be Dynasty or especially Redraft, is they got to pick up three new players. Now, they use two of them on defenses. And yeah, that's probably not our cup of tea, but the Dolphins defense was very good. Mm -hmm. uh, then they picked up the Browns defense um, and then Philip Lindsay. And again, it didn't work out with Lindsay the way that you hope, but that's what you got to do. You got to pick up that kind of lottery ticket. Um, so this one, I think the morning that this person woke up and saw this trade went through, might have looked even better, I think, than how it does now for them. So it's it's a roller coaster ride of a drunk trade, I gotta say. Mm -hmm. Definitely could have turned out a lot worse, uh, you know, compared to some of the ones we've seen in the past. So uh, I stand by what I said. I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily love it either. So, all right, we have a quick question from the chat here. Uh, Stooge would like us to answer. So Stooge says. He's got a keeper question for us. So he can keep two and they can't be from the same position. Full PPR. Uh, Zeke, Mixon, Diggs, Keenan Allen, or Josh Allen. Oof. So, Matt, why don't we start off with you? First oh, of all, I want to call out this person's name is Yora Stooge. You kept calling them Stooge, and I feel like that's the antithesis of their actual name. Because they're, they're quite frankly just putting it out there. You are the Stooge, Dustin. I didn't want to uh, infer that I was making fun of you, of course, by saying you're a Stooge. <laughs> or insult our guest. <laughs> okay. well, that's gonna, I don't know if I want to answer this question right now, because that seems to be kind of... You know what? This is a good problem to have. This really is. So you mm -hmm. got Zeke down here this year. I'm not concerned about once Dak comes back in the lineup, you see Zeke's numbers take off. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Joe Mixon, I, I could probably cut Joe Mixon right now. When I look at these names, he's probably the one guy I feel comfortable in cutting. Uh, looking at this, I'm going to assume it's a one QB situation. If it's a two, if it's a two QB super flex, I'm Josh Allen. I'm sorry, Josh Allen's definitely going to be in there. Mm -hmm. If it's a one QB and you're looking at, 12 to 14 teams, there's probably going to be a quarterback available that you're going to be able to pick up later on. Um, so now I'm looking at Diggs and Keenan Allen. This one gets interesting because we don't know what's happening with the Buffalo uh, offensive coordinator yet. If Dable's going to end up as a head coach somewhere, I think, because this affects both Diggs and Allen, because Dable, what he was able to do with that offense and the chemistry that he was able to kind of, the plays he was able to drop for Diggs, with Allen, the work he was able to do with Allen, I don't think he'd be underestimated. Yes, Jordan Palmer worked with Allen a lot on his uh, technique and movement skills in the offseason, but Dable really put his touch on this offense. So for me, I'm a little bit not sure of that. And I'm looking at – so now Zeke, I think, is the guy I'm going to keep because a stud running back, Dak coming back. So I think D uh, Zeke is definitely a guy I want to keep for sure. And then it kind of comes down to, do I want to go wide receiver or quarterback? And if I'm in a single quarterback league, I'm probably looking at Diggs or Keenan Allen. If I'm in a super flex or two QB league, it's uh, Allen for sure. So depending on the situation now, 
I've already said if it's a two QB, it's Zeke and uh, Josh Allen. So if we are looking at a one QB league. You know what? Give me Zeke and Diggs. I think that's almost exactly where I fall on this, especially if we're talking about the one QB thing. Although it's so close for me, again, depending on what happens in Buffalo, Allen could still sneak his way into contention for keeper purposes. If I believe that his star is still shooting up, which I think it kind of is, or at least I think it's at a steady enough spot where you can, I don't think you're going to see it crater. I don't think you're going to see him crater going forward. So maybe, you know, if you consider him the new Pat Mahomes, then go for that. But yeah, I love, uh, oh, uh, they did just comment that it is a one QB eight teamer. Yeah. I think Diggs is a lock for me. No disrespect at all to Keenan Allen. Um, but it's nice to have a little bit of extra use sometimes. And I just don't like mixing it all. So almost by default at Zeke, I think I'm a little lower on Zeke than you are, Matt, but I think he's still good for this purpose. Yeah, I'm thinking now I'm looking at eight teams. We know when we're looking at the running back position, there is a drop off, a considerable drop off after running back nine or 10. So there, you definitely have that drop off. At wide receiver, you were getting digs in the fourth, fifth, sixth round in redraft, mm-hmm. maybe even later. You're getting Keenan Allen again, fifth, sixth, seventh round, probably probably fourth, fifth round, probably that three, four turn, maybe fifth round if you're lucky. Diggs, probably four or five, depending on how you're looking at it. In an eight-team league, you want those studs. And I think Zeke, the drop-off between running back and wide receiver is clearly why you have running Zeke plus one of those wide receivers as your keeper. Mm-hmm. I think we're all in agreement here. I'm I'm with you with Zeke, and then I would definitely take Diggs over uh, Keenan Allen at this point. Um, and especially now knowing it's it's an eight-team uh, league, you're you're going to get a – you should be able to get a stud – quarterback without any problems so yep go for the studs in the other positions so we're all in agreement there hopefully uh you're a stooge we answered your question uh enough for you thanks for uh, submitting that on to the show here all right well before we dive into the meat of this episode this week's episode of drinking and talking fantasy football is brought to you by monkey knife fight Look, we've talked about them ad nauseum. There is literally no better time to start playing through Monkey Knife Fight than now. The fantasy season is over. The playoffs are still underway, as Dustin and I especially know as a couple of Packers homers here. Uh, So if you want something to spice up the weekend of championships, which is this weekend, go to monkeyknifefight.com. They've got plenty of contests to choose from. You do simple picks of less or more for specific stats, for specific players. If you choose right, you get money. And even better, you get a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 if you use promo code DTFF. All right. Thank you, Jake. All right. So on to what we all really want to talk about here this evening. Things to remember for draft season. So these are just tips and tricks we're going to let you all know about. Things that we think you need to just keep in the back of your head. Or better yet, come back to this episode when you're ready to draft. Listen to it again. It'll still be relevant at that time. Uh, So Matt, why don't you lead us off here as our guest of the evening? So you want me to roll with like all mine here right off the get-go? Or do you want to kind of go back and forth a little bit? Because I think the very first one we need to address... And I think Jake can attest to is you never get that against Gronk finishing in the top eight. Oh, I would I like to just keep rolling through all of yours now. And in fact, the faster that you can do them, I think the better. 
We no, let's be... talk about it. Let's talk about it, Matt. God damn you. You know what? Know. We invite you into our home of a podcast here. And what do you do? You stab me in the back. <laughs> well, you, you can't just like throw me the show sheet, tell me to fill out my things, and then post your actual, oh, yeah, by the way, look what I did. I did something stupid. I'm like, <laughs> you, know, you just leave it. Like, people will eventually like sweep it under the rug and let you forget about it. No, no. So I'll, I'll let you talk about that. But that kind of ties into both my first ones here. You don't bet if in redraft. You don't bet against Gronk. You know, we, he just proved again this season that he had top eight potential. Uh, he's still a tight end one going into the next year's drafts too. What that looks like, I don't know where where your tight ends are typically going. But if you don't get one of the top three line, or maybe four tight ends, then you might as well sit back and see if you can get Gronk much later in a draft is what I'm saying. But if you don't get, because you need to get those, there's a huge advantage to Kelsey, Waller, uh, and Kettle. Those are the guys, Kittle are there's a huge advantage to them. They're all like top 24 wide receivers playing the tight end position. But it goes into another one. And this one I always do. And we all do it because we always wait for the bottom to drop out of Tom Brady. We thought it was going to drop out a couple times. <laughs> We're talking redraft here. We're not talking dynasty. Never get bet against Tom Brady either. QB7 this year. And I think we're going to talk about running quarterbacks a little bit later. But he had six rushing yards. Six rushing yards, QB seven. That's crazy. These are oldies <laughs> but goodies, so you don't, you definitely don't want to bet against them. And that's the thing we're talking, we're talking about um, redraft here. We're not talking about the dynasty aspect. Old guys still have a place in fantasy football. Don't, don't put us out to pasture quite yet. The old guys can still ball. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I was tying that in. Redraft, old guys, we still have a value in it. Whereas in dynasty. You know, once you hit 28, you're already moving on from once running backs. Once you hit that second contract, you're moving on from there. You're trying to trade them already. But redraft, we want those old guys. We know they're going to perform for us. I definitely mm-hmm. do agree with that core concept here. I think it's so easy. And especially those of us who play more dynasty than redraft. We talk about this quite a bit on this podcast. Sometimes you really have to focus on shifting that mindset when you're on the clock for redraft. It's, it's not always easy, but it does have to be done. And speaking, yes, speaking about Gronk, I definitely sold him short this year. Coming into this offseason, I threw out, as I often do, uh, a load of horse shit onto Twitter because that's basically (laughs) my day job at this point is just talking out of my ass on Twitter. And I said that I would eat a life-size Lego mold of my own face if Rob Gronkowski finished as a top eight tight end this year. You know where he finished? Fucking tied number eight with no offense. <laughs> it was, it's a lesson. Uh, so you might have noticed around Twitter, I've changed my uh, avatar appropriately. I will be figuring out something to do this offseason to pay my debt to Gronk and his awesomeness. I won't actually be eating Legos. Let's be clear there. But I will well, do something in his name. You know what? I was kind of thinking here, and this this may be taking the uh, easy way out here, but if you get like a Lego cake made of your face, does that slide in? Does that count? Technically, it is a Lego sculpture of your face, life size. People as kind as yourself, Matt, have been trying to give me outs on Twitter with these various suggestions. And cake definitely came up. And, uh, you know, there's worse fates than having to eat my face and cake, certainly. Uh, Some other folks had said that there are Legos that are basically like candied uh, that you can use. I mean, it's a lot of sweets, you know, it's going to give me the gut wrap, but it's, it's better than the alternative. 
of slicing through me with those real Legos. I think what I'll ultimately do is maybe something uh, a little combine-like maybe in his name, just because I feel like I should have to embarrass myself in a physical sense because he obviously didn't this year. You know, and then a little charity aspect will probably be thrown in. But uh, with that, with that aside, I agree with that. And in fact, I'm just going to slide right into mine here, Dustin. If you're mm -hmm. cool with it, go for it, it. Matches up so perfectly. It's like we had a mind meld moment here. Mine was don't fuck around at tight end. And it's like you said, get those top guys. Take your top three or four if you truly have a, a fourth up there that you believe in, and avoid the middle. That's what I'm going to emphasize here. Don't fall into the trap of the middle. There are those 6 to 12 tight ends that you're going to be tempted after the top guys go off, off the board. Oh, boy, I better get my tight end now because what are my options going to be later in the draft? They're going to be basically the same as what they are in the rounds mm -hmm. you're currently in. It's so volatile that you're not going to likely nail that pick from that beefy middle for tight ends, you're better just waiting until the end at that point. Scoop up the value pick. There are, there are always going to be uh, some values to be had at tight end. And if you don't find them, then you just stream mm -hmm. and it's fine. Yep, absolutely. And this has been something, Jake, that I know we've talked about quite a bit here as the season went on that, you know, this is maybe a little bit of a switch of, of opinion on our side here, at least speaking for the two of us about maybe, you know, drafting that tight end a heck of a lot earlier than than you think and really going for those star, you know, two or three tight ends and just shore up that position for the entire season where you can just set it and forget it. So, um, yeah, I like that. And it'll be interesting to see come redraft time, uh, which one of us in our home league here blinks first and, and how early we take a tight end. <laughs> can I just, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm taking Kelsey in the first five picks. That's what I was about to ask. I want to get our barometer now. Let's look at these top three. So are are the following top three all locked and loaded potentially as first rounders, or is there some discrepancy here? So Kelsey, Kittle, and let's say Waller are our top three, and then we can sort out the rest. Are any of those three enough that if they're on the clock and you're in the first round, are there any that you wouldn't take? I think first round, I'm looking at Kelsey in the – 104 to 107 range. I think I'm looking at Kittle at the 108 to 112 range. Waller might be the one guy I question, probably closer to the uh, turnaround 205 to 208 kind of area. That's where I'd be comfortable both? pulling the trigger. Fair enough. Dustin, would you take all three near that range? Oh, that, that early, mid, early to mid first for Kelsey seems like a lot, but. I don't know when you're getting such a positional advantage, like he gave you this season. I mean, I had him for Scott fishbowl and it was just phew, lights out. Like it was the best decision I I've made probably in my entire life. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I say if you're in a tight end premium, tight end premium. Mm -hmm. It's a no brainer. Like you said, yeah. Scott fishbowl, you referenced there. That's a no brainer. These guys, Two of them in the first, one for sure in the second. Mm -hmm. But I think we're talking about we're talking about redrafts. Most of that is standard kind of leagues, right? So, yeah, I you know I got burned uh, by Waller and the fact that I didn't believe in him this year, and he's made me a believer. So I would flirt with the idea if I'm at the very back of the first, 
and those two have already gone off the board, then I I might consider it because you're right, Dustin. It's such a positional advantage, and you can't really find that in any other position right now. So I'd be tempted. Yeah, especially with how deep the wide receivers are right now. You can scoop those up in the middle rounds just all day long. So, yeah, unless one of those really, for whatever reason, say quarterbacks go super early in your league or something, and maybe there's one of the top stud running backs still there, which I wouldn't imagine so. I, uh, I Otherwise, why not grab one of those tight ends and get that advantage? So I'm, I'm just kind of looking at some basic PPR here. Um you're looking at Kelsey. Well, Kittle, we can just assume that he's going to be between Waller and Kelsey in that same range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey was roughly 325 points per PPR. Waller was at the 293 range. Now, if we flip that over to the wide receivers, because that's really where we're comparing these guys to. What what I say was Kelsey again? Sorry, I got like 325. So Kelsey again. Those numbers were 325 and 293. So we flip that over to the wide receivers. And 325 would have put Kelsey right behind Tyreek Hill at number four. Two. 292, 292 puts Waller at number six in between Calvin Ridley and Justin Jefferson and above DK Metcalf. So now we talk about the value-based drafting. The drop-off at wide receiver, you don't really see much of one until, let's say, let's go Adam Thielen at number 10, and let's look at, Number 20 here, Terry McLaren at 232, 260. So we got a 30-point drop-off there from 10 to 20. Not terrible. Now we look at tight end. The tight end drop-off, if we go from number 10, which is no offense, at 149, and we drop all the way to 20, it drops to 118 with Dallas Goddard. Those numbers alone are enough to convince me that two of those tight ends belong in the first round, and Waller could arguably... I'm taking a mid-second, but you could make an argument that at the uh, 112, 113, 114, depending on your league, and that turn, Waller's right there in consideration. Mm -hmm. You may have just convinced me to draft two tight ends back-to-back now at the start of my (laughs) redraft league. I'm so excited about them now. I may just pull the trigger and do it. Well, you think about it. If you manage to pull Kelsey and Waller out, you've got two top six wide receivers you can play one at tight end who's going to be the number one tight end, and then you still get a number six wide receiver out of the deal. Your flex, mm-hmm. and, you get, and you get that away from your league mates, mm-hmm. uh, and you just rain it down on them. <laughs> well, if, if, if Kittle, and here's, here's the big drop-off. Here's the one that no one's talking about. So say Kittle does play, and he does put up those numbers. So you got 324. Let's put Kittle at 300. Let's put Waller at 292. The drop-off to number three. You want to guess who number three was in the league this year? Um, no, because you wouldn't have drafted him in the first place. Logan Thomas, 182. Oh God. That is over 100 points separating the top three from the next guy. Just you insane. want to talk about competitive advantage, mm-hmm. there it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even a tight end guy. And that's oh. why you don't, kids, that's why you don't take them in the middle. <laughs> exactly what we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that nice uh, that nice bookend mm-hmm. on that one. Justin, do you want to move us away from tight ends, or do you want to keep us in the tight end milieu? Yeah, I feel like we've uh, reached our uh, threshold for tight end talk for this offseason already with all that. Uh, so, yes, let's move on. Um, in this one, we, we all have something very similar uh, as as kind of a, a next one here. Uh, it's all dealing with fab. Uh, and hopefully your league has switched to the fab system. Uh, it's it's much fairer than waiver priority, let's be honest. Um, 
But yeah, mine is don't be afraid to spend your fab, especially early in the season. Uh, Look at what you could have done this year with James Robinson. I mean, picked him up before week one, or maybe it was right after week one, after he had that blow up week. Uh, You had a top running back for basically free uh, because you didn't have to spend that draft capital on them. So yeah, don't be afraid to spend your fab. And this is something I struggle with every season uh, for whatever reason. I just never pull the trigger um, probably because I'm a wuss. I I, I don't want to make it look stupid and miss on a player and spend all my fab on a guy, but yeah, don't be afraid to spend your fab because uh, it, it that can be a big win for you. And, Usually those guys, especially like I said, James Robinson this year, can be league winners for you. Yeah, Matt, I know you feel similarly on this. Do you have any added insight to uh, put into that? Yeah, you don't get to take the money home. Your fab, you don't you you don't use it, you lose it. It's that simple. There, there's no you don't get a prize for hanging on to the most fob. And let's face it, you want to make that move, you want to make that statement, get those guys early before they go off or the guys that are going off. The guys that go off mid-season are usually just a quick little injury replacement. Maybe you get lucky, you get a Mike Thomas a little, or Mike Davis a little bit later. Maybe you find a backup third-string running back who's being moved into the position or a QB2, QB3 guy coming in. But if you want those big play guys, they're often in the first couple weeks, unless they're Sammy Watkins. Never Sammy Watkins. Uh, Never. Don't, don't you say his name on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though, 100%. It's... When you look historically, and especially over the last few seasons, the big blow-up, out-of-nowhere guys, whether it be James Robinson or Philip Lindsay before him or Alvin Kamara before him, yada, 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 they are early in the season. They make themselves known. You're not waiting on a guy in week 12 to finally show up to his coaches to say, I'm the guy that you need to put more, more trust in. That very rarely happens. And at that point, then, of course, the dividends don't pay out as much because you get less and less weeks of use out of these players. Yeah, do I advocate for keeping a little bit of fab in your back pocket in case you really need something going into your playoffs? You know, maybe you deal with injuries and you need a little something there to try and scoop somebody up. Sure, I guess. Don't overthink it. I am personally in the habit of overthinking to the dollar how much I need to spend on a person. <laughs> And it has bitten me more times than I can count. And you would suspect that I would learn from these mistakes, <laughs> but I do not learn from these mistakes. So I'm telling you to learn from my mistakes. Uh, don't quibble over a buck or two, especially with these superstars. Go in with an amount that you feel comfortable will get them and just just do it. Just do it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine times out of ten, there's someone dumber than you that's going to try and outspend you anyway, right? So, <laughs> so don't be afraid to throw that big number out there. Uh, I, I do make the mistake every once in a while where I do believe that the fob is my actual money and I'm cheap. I'm frugal. I know it. And you like try and pinch those few pennies. Like you said, don't do that. Don't be a dingus. Right. So I'm going to stitch that onto a throw pillow and send it out to every listener we have here. They can take it with them to their drafts. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Now, Matt, do you have any other words of wisdom here outside of fab? I think we can all agree. Like you said, just spend the fab, <laughs> deal with it. Outside of fab, is there anything that you want folks to keep in mind for next year? Yeah, I got a couple other ones here that kind of kind of tie in. Uh, get your guys. There's nothing worse than having to root against some of your favorite players on Monday night. So you're a Packers fan, right? But you were too dumb to draft Devontae Adams in the first round. Now you're playing Devontae. Your opponent has Devontae Adams against you in a Monday night matchup. That is not fun. Nobody likes that. Stinks. 
you're like you're kind of t- you're in a hard place. You're like, hey, I like Devontae Adams. I want him to do good, but not too good. But he can get he can get twelve points. But if he gets twelve and a half, that's not going to work. No, don't be like that. Go get your guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you have to reach for a guy that you really like, go do it. I reached for James Robinson, and it paid off for me this year. I I, I scout. I did a lot of work with our magazine that I'll talk about a little bit later. But he was one of those guys I was very high on coming out of the draft. And then tying into my next point, James Robinson is a perfect example. But training camp battles matter. The offseason matters. Those whispers that you hear where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire, that, that is true. We heard this all through the James Robinson camp there in Jacksonville. And what was the opportunity that we learned about everything? Leonard Fournette has had running back one type seasons because of the volume play. When you started hearing that Leonard Fournette was being pushed by this younger group of guys, including James Robinson, that should have been your cue to go, okay, you know what, James Robinson, he needs to be on my list. I need to be on this here. Jimmy Garoppolo, follow what the 49ers do. They don't even want Jimmy Garoppolo. They're in the bidding for Tom Brady at one point in the offseason. So you knew right there that they're not feeling Garoppolo as a franchise quarterback. They may give him some competition. The leash may be a little bit shorter. Follow these camp battles all through training camp, the offseason, who is getting brought in where. And offensive line matters too. We, as a, in redraft, we tend to forget that there's even an offensive line in fantasy football. We do. If you're bringing in some big dogs, there's certain run, get to know your offensive line. Find someone on Twitter that understands offensive line. There's certain linemen that are absolute bullies out there and they love the run game, this and that. You know, as soon as you bring in one or two of these guys, this team is going to want to maul you. Look at what the Cleveland Browns did. Not only did they have mm-hmm. Nick Chubb already in their lineup, but they brought in offensive linemen to pat the ball. So that should have been your first cue that Nick Chubb is going to go off this year. That should have been your first cue to bump him up in your rankings to a through the 108 kind of spot in your redraft leagues. So make sure you're paying attention to this offseason stuff. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback on what you were saying with, you know, find someone on Twitter that that talks about O-lines. Find out who the team like beat reporters are and follow them on Twitter. I mean, they're the ones that are there every single day. They've got their finger on the pulse with those teams, even if it's just one. I know each team or, you know, there's there's multiple beat writers for every team, but find at least one that you can follow that that you find trustworthy that that will kind of help you keep that information flowing to you. And so you can pick up on these guys like James Robinson um, really early on. I like that. I also really like the point that you made there, Matt, speaking specifically to James Robinson. Let's keep him up at the top of our (laughs) our minds here because I could spend all damn day talking about James Robinson. I'm so impressed with what he did. Uh, I hope that he's the next Arian Foster, just so he can shut everybody up on Twitter for a while. (laughs) But what you mentioned about tendencies, I think, is very important. Speaking about coaching tendencies and how they utilize positions. Leonard Fournette, you're right. He got where he got on the back of volume. And people like me probably saw Fournette leaving and assumed, well, if your stud running back leaves, it's going to by default become more of a committee situation. They won't dare put all of the workload on this one person, let alone an undrafted rookie like that. And I looked like an idiot because that's exactly what they did with great reason. Um, it obviously worked out for fantasy, maybe, maybe not so much for real life football, but we don't care about that in the moment. Um, and I also got a little bit weary about who those players were ahead of him. Divine Ozigbo was going to be there stealing snaps away and, 
you know, these people have more success in the system. And I also just pivoted away from raw talent. Now, obviously, he got a boost because of injuries and COVID with Raquel Armstead and all that. But once it was clear that he was the guy, I still was a little hesitant and it was dumb. So using coaching tendencies, using offensive tendencies to when these hiccups happen, when these depth charts moves do occur where people are leapfrogging, keep all of that in mind um, for next year. And yeah, Dustin, I follow as a Packers homer. Wes Hodgewitz is our beat reporter du jour that I I like to follow over here because he he keeps a good ear to the ground. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Jake, what do you have next here on your remembering list? Can we talk about some appreciation for Russian quarterbacks here today? Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be said. Um, How you hear on Twitter, of course, that the Konami code exists for rushing quarterbacks because the safety and floor that they provide is unlike anything else. It's almost unfair. Some folks have decided to change their league settings or have at least debated it because it's so unfair to rushing quarterbacks, uh, the leverage that they get. I don't want it to be understated that this year, more than ever, rushing quarterbacks dominated the top of the fantasy football ranks. Outside of Tom Brady, who, as you (laughs) noted, rushed for six yards or something like that, All of the top options had a baseline, a baseline of at least 300 rushing yards for the season. That's your that's your Pat Mahomes. That's your Josh Allen. That's your Kyler Murray. That's uh, your Deshaun Watson, your Russell Wilson. Now, Aaron Rodgers is an outlier here, but I didn't want to call him out because any bad juju that goes his way. uh, I'm worried about in advance of championship weekend. So if we could just gloss over that for a minute, I'd be very appreciative. still chipped in with 150 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, right? It's still not too shabby. So the thing is, and I'm going to pile on here with Aaron Rodgers a little bit because I know you guys love it. He's always a threat with his legs. Just because he doesn't run doesn't mean he can't run. And the Konami code is great for guys who run the ball, but it also sets a stud for guys who can run the ball. You have to respect what Aaron Rodgers can do. Is he going to bust off a Lamar Jackson 89-yard touchdown run? No, it's not going to happen. But can he pick up 15 yards at a click every single time if he wants? Yeah, Derek Carr, same thing. He's athletic enough to pick it up. Just because he stays in the pocket doesn't mean they can't run. Now, where it comes to the flip side, you don't really expect certain quarterbacks like Brady to even consider running. Peyton Manning, you know he wasn't going to run. And when he did, it just kind of blew you off. But Aaron Rodgers, 150 yards, and I'm sure there's more opportunities where he could have ran every time. And teams know that. They, they're, they're playing the pass on him. So they, that respect has to be there. The threat of the run is always there, even with Aaron Rodgers, who's like 37 years old right now. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a fine point, too, because one of the other top options that finished just outside the top six was Ryan Tannehill. And he's not a rushing quarterback. He's not uh, an average scrambler, but he does and can and will. So it may not be built into his brand, so to speak, where you count on him to do that. But he absolutely can. And the offense builds it in in such a way that, I mean, he did break off like a 40-yard touchdown run here. It's just not, you may not expect that all the time, but be, be mindful of, of the floor for these guys and definitely allow that to boost them up your rankings. It doesn't have to be everything. It's not everything. They, they still do most of the time need to be able to pass pretty well, um, but it definitely should give them a bit of a boost. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to touch on here, I know we, we talked about it briefly with, with the tight end position, and that's looking for positional advantages. Uh, that's not just these onesie positions that are out there, whether it's tight end or if you're in a one QB league, whether it's you know your quarterback. Uh, that also goes for your running backs and wide receivers. As, as your draft is going, if there's a big run on, say, wide receivers – you know, take a look maybe at, at running backs to see what's there, uh, because there may have been a guy or two that that slipped through there, and and it'll really give you advantage to snatch that guy up instead of getting a guy a wide receiver. You know, at the end of a ten man run, picking up that eleventh wide receiver in that run. Well, maybe pick up that running back that's still there, that that probably should have went a half around sooner at least but everyone else got scared about missing out on their wide receiver because of the run and and pick him up cuz you know that that's going to put you at an advantage be at the start of a run not at the end of a run i like that positional advantage talk about the running back position in particular that drop off some of these running backs you were able to get later a because they're rookies Jonathan Taylor yeah Clyde Edwards Taylor they're going early and often but the James Robinsons, the Antonio Gibsons, mm-hmm. these are guys that you're getting much later where you're probably drafting your wide receiver three, maybe even your wide receiver four, some of your league mates are drafting, before Antonio Gibson was coming off, who happened to be the running back 14 this year. Running back 14, and he missed time. So you're looking mm-hmm. at a borderline wide rece- uh, running back one. Sorry, I think I said wide receiver there. A borderline wide uh, running back one that you're getting while people are drafting there fourth wide receiver in lots of leagues. So, yeah, if everyone's pounding that receiver, take the running backs. Get those positional values. Everyone's pounding running backs, well, get your one running back, hope for the best, and see if you can get a Naheem Hines or someone a little bit later and load up on that wide receiver. Give yourself that competitive advantage. I know in the past I've preached a balanced roster. You know, first five rounds, I want to get my two running backs. I want to get my three wide receivers. Uh, Round six, I'm going to look for my quarterback. Round seven, maybe my tight end. Well, that's fine. Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And then you're if you stick to that plan, you're going to get depreciation in those positions. So if someone wants – if there's a huge run on running backs in the first round, okay, maybe I'll take a shot at Zeke Elliott at 112 if he drops or depending on how next year goes. Because there will be some kind of uh, depreciation value on Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll grab him. And then also the second round, everyone's pounding this, those running backs again. I'm going to come back and I'll take, oh, you know what? Michael Thomas somehow dropped here to like 201, 202, whatever. Um, by the way, I'm not touching Michael Thomas next year. <laughs> but you know what? Here's, you draft him. Okay, everyone's taking the running backs. It's coming back around. Okay, now I'm looking at something like maybe a, oh, let me just look here. Third round what running back, Kenyon Drake. You really want to take Kenyon Drake if there's a run on running backs in the third round? Or would you rather take Stefan Diggs or Keenan Allen? Well, I'm going to tap. So I've started off. I've got Ezekiel Elliott late in the first. Now I'm going to tap Diggs and Keenan Allen. Or I took Diggs, say, I don't know, give me a wide receiver that was going in the second round last year, in the second round. Godwin. Sure, I'll take Chris Godwin or DJ Moore, say, second round. Comes back around, third round. You know what? Kenyon Drake, everyone's pounding running backs. You know what? I'm just going to take Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen on the double tap here at the back end at three and four. So now I've got three wide receiver ones, essentially, and I've got my running back one. That's a bit of a competitive advantage for you right now. Mm-hmm. So 
I think the, to be fluid with what you're talking about yeah. here when you're going through drafts. Mm-hmm. And something yeah, else, so- too, you can also use those players then later on in trades. I mean, you, you got to remember that, too, that, that they're missing out on those wide receivers. Say, well, hey, why don't you give me one of those running backs you uh, decided to hoard so early on there, and let's make something happen. Yeah, I think to merge your two concepts that you're kind of talking about here, too, is like don't get locked do not get locked on draft day. There is nothing worse than, like you said, Matt, yes, you can have a plan and it's great, but do not get locked into that because you're going to end up overextending on players that you don't need to just because you're worried and nervous about that draft board. Don't get so wrapped up in what everybody else is doing that it makes you throw out a very good intention about what you should do. So yes, positional scarcity. Do I want to make sure that I have maybe more running backs on my shelves? Then wide receivers uh, depends on your league format, too. You know, be fluid. Uh, let the draft come to you. Don't you don't have to attack it so feverishly, which I think some people feel that they have to do uh, again because they go in with that mindset a little bit. Um, but just, I mean, just be cool like me. Just <laughs> just go on the draft. <laughs> And then uh, forget everything that you talked about five months ago and make all of these mistakes that we're talking about right now. That's the cool way to draft everybody. Could you imagine starting your draft somehow with Kelsey and Devontae Adams in one and two, coming back in rounds three and four and going, oh, I know Diggs and Allen, and then five and six somehow going David Montgomery, who happened to be like the running back four when it all played out in the end. You know, you'd be sitting pretty good waiting on that. And you can make the argument at the back end of things, too, because there's some wide receivers that had tremendous value as well later on. The season that got drafted much, much later. Mm-hmm. But like Can I, said, I give myself a quick pat on the bat? Because I, I did have to uh, uh, sort of choke down that Lego from earlier with the Gronk thing and how I missed on him. So I, just balance here. You basically described my, my Scott Fish draft which is the only draft this year, I think, that I actually utilize my own internal advice, uh, and which is great because I went, well, it was Kittle, it wasn't Kelsey, but it's the same principle, and then Devontae was there, and then the next round, DeAndre Hopkins is there, and I was like, well, I'm not going to just pass up value for the sake of passing up value. So I, I had one draft this year where I feel like I did well, and I'm going to just once again give, I'm going to throw out my elbow, uh, reaching back to pat myself <laughs> on the back. All right, I've got one more here to talk about, but do either of you have one more you'd like to throw out here? No, I think I double-tapped on mine there between the okay. getting your guys and watching those training camp battles. So. Okay. Jake, what Can about I say you? One quick thing, and I'm not going to belabor this. This is, again, just to point out how dumb I am. Don't overfade rookie-wide receivers like I did this last year. <laughs> Don't. You can bet on talent, and it's okay to bet on bet on talent sometimes. Not everybody has to fall into the perfect position. Not everybody needs three months of prelude to show that they're qualified to be an NFL starter. Uh, so rookie wide receivers, they're okay. You can draft them. All right. And then my last one here, uh, be sure when you're getting preparing for your draft, you should be doing some preparation beforehand. Just don't go into your draft the day of and expect your commissioner to hand out your ESPN top 200 list and specifically just draft off of that. Um, can you have success with it? Sure, you can, but chances are you won't. Uh, so when you're doing your your research here before the season starts, uh, 
be sure to look at weekly finishes along with where the year-end finishes were for players. Uh, They may have finished the year really high, but it may be like the Amari Cooper we've seen in the past. Maybe not so much this year, but in previous years, where he has those big 40-point blow-up weeks and then disappears the next week, uh, where he's really only usable half the season. So just kind of keep an eye on that. You you know, if, if you're especially... I shouldn't say it, especially in the early rounds, but maybe you want to look for a little bit more consistency, especially with your studs. You want, you know, a little bit safer picks early on. And then if you, you know, see a guy that finished somewhat high and you're a little surprised and you see, oh, you had these blow up weeks, you know, maybe save that for later on in your draft to target those guys. That'd be a good bye week fill in or flex play, depending on, you know, the matchups for that. I dig it. That's a good point because we just literally mentioned a guy who was sa- his season was saved by weeks twelve through fifteen. And that's David Montgomery. You know what I mean? I, one of my favorite things is I like to two things to check out when I look at running backs, especially your average points. So let's take a look at what they did throughout the whole season, mm-hmm. and that means taking the injuries into account, this and that. But yards per carry is another one I like to take a look at when I'm looking at it. So if, if I'm looking at David Montgomery, yeah, he absolutely ended the season at 270 points. However, that 3.5 yards per carry wasn't cutting it. And then you take a look. Let's let's dive into it a little bit deeper and see where that production came. Oh, okay, weeks 12 through week 17, he didn't have a game below 25 points per game. But if I look before that, he didn't have a game above 15 points. He had one game above 20, but – the rest from, I'm like, that's probably a better idea of what was happening throughout the year rather than, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, David Montgomery, RB4 this year. But all those all that production came in three weeks or four weeks. So mm-hmm. go back, and here's the beauty. When you go into your MFL, if you're in a longstanding league, you can literally look at the season before. And you can take a good look at how these guys stacked up. And that's always accessible. And we're in a day and age right now where you go to DynastyVipers.com and check out the rankings and go to your league with that. See, see what I did there? That's the that was nice. Well there's, done. There's so much information out there. There's so much information. So many smart people. Hit Twitter up, man. Mm-hmm. It, it's, don't go to Facebook. Those people on Facebook and Reddit are just, yeah. <laughs> Reddit is the worst. <laughs> Reddit, Reddit, there's some interesting people on Reddit. Facebook can just be like mean girls going on there. Like, <laughs> Twitter, there's, it's a mix, but we've got some pretty good people there on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the thing I know, if you ask, people will indulge you. Regard, whether they are a Matt Barry, he may not respond to you right away, but he will get to, get a hold of you at some point. You can go, or you, whether it's some egghead, you know what I mean? He, he probably <laughs> engage you too. But there's a lot of people on Twitter that will respond to your questions. There's enough YouTube shows out there, streams out there. If you can jump in right, like you're a stooge and jump in here and get your questions answered and prepare yourself for the draft. There's all these resources now compared to when I first started fantasy football where we were writing down the scores and marking them down out of the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that they're on a computer right now and like you have one click and you can figure out and sort everything rather than write it all out, divide it by 16, da, 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 da. everything's right there. So mm-hmm. there's no excuse not to be prepared for your draft. Now, if you get a little um, in the bottle halfway through your draft and you're around seven and you're trying to draft Michael Thomas, Mark Painter, I'm talking to you. <laughs> it, it's not all the preparation ain't going to matter anyway. We all have that. We all have these home drafts where there's always that one guy in the eighth or ninth round. 
Can I get Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Lamar Jackson. <laughs> oh, he was the fourth pick overall, dude. We all did, we've all seen it. It doesn't matter how much preparation you do. There's always that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it speaks to my yeah. soul. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any last uh, thoughts here for drafting? Or you guys feel good about it? Feel great. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about drafting in general. Mm-hmm. doesn't always work out the way I hope, but I feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> I never come out of a draft and go, man, did I blow that one. Oh, That's usually about same. two or three where I come out of realization. You <laughs> never have a better team than you do about 20 minutes after the draft. Mm-hmm. Never. <laughs> All right. So do we want to um, talk a little bit about the championship matchups here briefly? Just Teensy, teensiest bit. Well, we don't we, have to dwell. We wouldn't be doing our jobs as Packer homers if we didn't bring it up at least. <laughs> I'm just excited. I'm very excited. I mean, it's. I don't want to get too excited because as a Packers homer here again, every it feels like we're in this situation all the time. We're in the NFC Championship, and then we do get the hopes up, and, and we know it hasn't always worked out over this last decade very well. But I feel, I feel more bold uh, or emboldened than I have. Uh, in any of the NFC champion game championship games of yore. So for what that's worth, I'm just excited that we have something to play for, uh, something to watch for, and we get to just indulge and enjoy the majesty of Aaron Rodgers for one more week. Yeah, I'm I, I'll I'll say for the Packers at least, I'm my concern is that the defense shows up this week. We know what the offense can do, uh, but I, I'm concerned about the defense with all the weapons that Tampa Bay does have, and they did embarrass us early in the season. So hopefully they learn from that and 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 the defense really steps up this week. Agreed. You got a favorite out of the AFC versus NFC championship games there, Matt? Oh man. For me personally, I'm I don't know if you've caught my YouTube or my uh, Periscope Twitter thing. It's up to like 2,500 views. I threw myself through a table off my truck in support <laughs> to try and get acceptance into Bill's Mafia. Nice. And I was invoked with open arms for what I did. So if you don't follow me or check us, I do some pretty stupid things over here. Like you talk about <laughs> eating Lego. I've literally waxed my chest live. Yes, I you have. have. Literally bet on, I can't remember if it was Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins on primetime. But either way, they cost me. I had to drink a Big Mac smoothie. Uh, I had my daughter do my makeup on the show. I've eaten wet dog food on my show. I've done a bit just about everything. That said, this shouldn't really surprise you that I had no problem throwing myself through a table. And when I say throw myself, <laughs> I mean I literally like rolled off because there wasn't much of a jump involved at all. <laughs> but I'll say 240 pounds coming down is still going to shatter a table. Um, <laughs> so I'm it's more about what's in the heart than how much air you get at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's more of a roll, let's be honest. It was, it was more of a roll than a jump. Um, I'm definitely looking into this Bills-Chiefs game. I love this battle. I love the Diggs versus Tyreek Hill look at. I love the Allen versus Mahomes. The whole everything, all the dynamics to that game are absolutely fantastic. And there's not really, if you go back, oh man, what was it, week six? No, week six is when the Packers and the Bucks played, right? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the Chiefs and the Bills actually played a pretty defensive minded game where I think Allen had 125 yards passing, Mahomes only had 222 yards passing. Both offenses were kept in check. It was a really interesting game when we were all expecting fireworks. I'm expecting fireworks this week, and I'm expecting the Bills to pull off the dub because I, I, I got to get behind the Bills. I just love the whole thing. They'll find a way to <coughs> – excuse me. They'll find a way <laughs> to do this at some point. But 
I'm looking forward to talking to Graham Barfield a little bit later and see what his take is on the college metrics that were involved. Because we're talking about uh, a handful of running backs here, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, uh, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, Devin Singletary, Clyde edwards Slayer, who were all drafted in the last five years when his model started. So he's going to be able to give us another look inside of that. So I'm looking forward to that, hearing what he has to say, and then applying it to the conference finals this week. And I don't care. I'm Canadian. Uh, I'm proud of it. I've had uh, friends from the States. I've played against them up here in Canada. And you guys think Lambeau Field can get cold? Try the tundra <laughs> of the prairies here in Canada. I'll tell you what. We've hit minus 40 with the wind chill here. I put ice in for an NHL outdoor game when it was minus 40. And I'll tell you what. They can talk. Bruce Arians came on the air here recently and says, we're not worried about the cold weather. The guys are professionals. They'll be ready. I'll tell you what. You've been working out in central Florida coming up to Wisconsin right now. And this is not even cold Wisconsin. This is mm-hmm. like, this is like 29 degrees Fahrenheit, Wisconsin, which is nothing. This is shorts and t-shirt weather for me still. <laughs> you you can tell there's going to be guys that will not leave that lo- Tampa Bay locker room until just before kickoff. Mm-hmm. They are not going to want to go out there and uh, take any kind of practice wraps. So, that for me is what I'm going to be interested. In. How does even Tom Brady? He's played in New England for years. He's used to the cold weather, but he's been in Tampa now for a whole year. Where is that mindset coming from? The nice, warm Tampa heat there in Central Florida, coming up to the frozen tundra. There, it's not the typical frozen tundra, but it's still going to be pretty cold. It's mm-hmm. going to be a, quite the adjustment for the players. On the flip side, both the Bills and the Chiefs they play in cold weather games all the time. This is going to be interesting and. Can the Bucs break the Super Bowl curse of a team hosting? That's going to be an interesting storyline, too, coming into mm-hmm. this because no team who's host of the Super Bowl has played in that Super Bowl. So history would favor the Packers. However, the odds, the law of odds, would favor at some point this streak has to get broken. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting storyline for me. Looking Brady's at broken game. enough records and streaks. I think we can all agree. He can <laughs> well, he can leave, the, leave this one sit on the side for somebody else to mm-hmm. take over. <laughs> I, I think I've seen on Twitter, and I can't take credit for this, but someone posted Tom Brady, one season in the NFC, one NFC Conference Championship, Dallas Cowboys, since 94, 24 seasons in the <laughs> NFC, zero conference championships. So just to kind of give you like this guy's dominant. Mm. Uh, I don't like Brady. I, I can't stand Brady. Everything about Brady, I don't like, but you got to respect what he's done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 You do. By the way, I want to backtrack just for a couple minutes. When you started talking about the Bills, and then you're going to say, I think that they'll find a way, and you started to kind of cough to the side, I thought for sure you were going to say they're going to find a way to fuck this up. <laughs> and you were just trying to be nice well, about it because you had, you know, dove through a table recently. Well, my understanding is, and I, I, don't fact check me, but in the last four AFC championships that the Buffalo Bills have made, they've made the Super Bowl. There's it's a great documentary time, about how those have ended. It's yeah, spoiler right. alert, not great. The, the law of odds has to play out at some point there too. Mm-hmm. But the last time they made it to the Super Bowl, it was the Chiefs that they defeated to get there. Ooh, Interesting like storyline. I think it was the yeah. Chiefs. Don't quote me on that either. But I'm pretty sure the last Super Bowl they went to, their fourth Super Bowl, was on the being the Neil Smith, Derek Thomas Chiefs. We're gonna go with it because that is too good of a storyline. Mm-hmm. To, even if it is false, I don't care. I want that to be the case because any extra storylines that we could add on top of Championship Weekend always make me happy. It doesn't matter. 
pull, they're going to pull out all of the most bizarre stats in advance of these games uh, that you have never heard before to kind of justify uh, what adds extra drama onto it. And I'm just here for it. So mm-hmm. I'm fine. Anything that adds to it, right? Anything that gives a little bit of a, we, we want to be entertained. That's right. We are a people of short attention span. So you got to give us something to work with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Well, I feel good about this episode. How do you guys feel about it? I feel great. I feel like I want to hear Matt talk a little bit more about some of these guests that he's mm-hmm. got on his show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we, we, we have an action-packed off-season plan for uh, everyone. So you're going to want to make sure you go over to YouTube, like and subscribe to that. I know I've liked and subscribed to this show just because I was on it today. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't like and subscribe. Anyway. Go to the Dice of Vipers Vipercast, and I'm serious. We've got some huge, huge guests. I wish I could just put it out there. There's always that part of me that until they're actually in this recording studio, I'm always a little tentative to put that out there, right? There's always those two kind of thoughts. Uh, in two weeks' time, on this date, we have this person coming on, and all of a sudden you get to that date, and it's like, oh, crap, it's the inauguration. Yeah, they're not going to want to come on today, <laughs> which was kind of the case with our one of our guests we had lined up for tomorrow or Wednesday. We had a guest lined up for Wednesday. I, I absolutely can't wait to have on. But he kind of goes, goes, You have you promoted it yet? I said, No, I'm pretty lazy. I don't like to promote my stuff too much until I stay up. It was okay, good, because the inauguration is Wednesday, and I didn't want to really miss the inauguration because a lot of people are going to want to catch that kind of stuff. For me, it seems silly because I'm Canadian, but whatever. Each <laughs> their own. I know you guys had a pretty interesting time the last four years down there. So, <laughs> so uh, one so way I'm to put it. I try to I try to avoid religion and politics when I talk. So, um, so he kind of throws that out there. Says, "Yeah, okay, yeah, no, no deal, no, no big deal." So I'm glad I didn't promote it. But I've got so many great guests coming on to join Calvin and Jeff and myself here. It's going to be fantastic. If you think that they're big in fantasy football, we're probably pulling them in at some point this summer. So between now and kickoff 2021, you're going to want to catch who we have. We got to, it's a cool little thing. We want to talk to them about what they're doing, how they got to where they were. And one of the things I know with people in our situation, whether you want to make this a hobby or want to get big, there's two kinds of trains of thoughts here in in our community here, especially in our little uh, circle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone wants to know how you get there. But more importantly, I think is how you stay on top. How do these guys that we look up to stay at the top of their level? They've been there. How do you keep that fresh? How do you keep that drive? How do you keep that hunger? What is behind the grind? And that's what we want to really focus on the series that we're putting out here. We've already got 30, I want to say 33 confirmed guests still waiting on some emails. It kind of started off as like a, let's do one per week or one every other week. And then you, we talked about in fantasy football or Twitter, shoot your shot. What's the worst someone's going to say is mm-hmm. no. Right? Really? Yep. So I threw out a bunch of, I threw a lot of shit on the wall to see what would stick. And <laughs> I was absolutely floored with how many people jumped on board with this. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll put you down. Okay, yeah, I'll put you down. And I got all these names. Like, By the end, I was looking at the list like, we're going to have to do two shows a week now to keep up. <laughs> you know, so a good okay. problem to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So check it out on the YouTube. Uh, I don't have the link, but, yeah, I'm sure you just type in, like, Dynasty Vipers, Vipercast, and it'll pop up. Check it on the Twitter. I'm promoting that all the time. Uh, we're putting it on our website, dynastyvipers.com, which should be up and functional sometime after the Super Bowl. We're still up right now. We're just doing a bunch of work behind the scenes. So you're going to see a lot of old stuff, old rankings uh, up there right now. 
But meantime, we've still got it going on. The Twitter machine at Dynasty Vipers and the newly anointed at Matt Donnelly FF. You can check me out there. Um, yeah, so excited. So excited. We A lot of people talk about doing some good things and being excited about it. Well, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to do it. And we're doing it right now. So there's a lot of excitement in our camp. And I, I, I can't, I'm looking forward to sharing this with everybody because, like I said, the community has been so gracious to me. And, of course, when we talked about charity leagues a little bit earlier, uh, maybe our biggest show with the Dynasty Vipers was the Fantasy Football Honors. And we are definitely planning on doing that again for 2021. So if you're out there, you're in a charity league. If you are uh, running some kind of charity, like eating a Lego face to someone for money, and you're giving that money out to some sort of charity at some point, hit me up. Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can get this on the show. Uh, we've got some ideas here. I'm even thinking about maybe possibly doing putting a website together where everyone can kind of network together with these charities. I'm a brand guy. I like to think things. Putting it together is not really my expertise when it comes to technical stuff. Like I still use duct tape and a hammer for a lot of my projects at home. So yeah, I'm very excited about some of the stuff we have going on here. So check us out. Appreciate it. Like, and subscribe, follow. I really, I really need everyone's approval about doing stuff. You know, I have this thing <laughs> where attention seeking behaviors. So please validate them. You validate him now or he's going to jump through another table. <laughs> And that is a possibility too. Like I'm not, I'm not above anything. Let's be honest. Yeah, but yeah, if you haven't followed the Dynasty Vipers or Matt or anyone else on the team, go do so. There's such great content out there, uh, and, and you're going to be missing out. So definitely go do that if you haven't already. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you out there? It's just my name at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. Slide into our DMs. We'll answer your questions at any time. We are always here from you. We do not take a break, even though there will soon be no football going on. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Take off, eh? <laughs>